This is Stephen Dominguez of the Pure BS Podcast and the Science Faction Podcast. You're listening to the BS Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. My name is Austin. Today, I'm with... I'm George. Hey, and it's Chris, too. Uh, everybody, we have a super exciting episode for you guys today. We're actually uh, not going to give it away yet because we'll get into it into the interview, but we'll say some things we're excited about this person we're interviewing. Uh, George, go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and lead with what you're excited about with this interviewee. What you guys are about to hear is something that uh, will change your mind about the... Uh the movie game in Las Vegas. I think he, uh, this guy is extremely intelligent and savvy. And if you guys aren't entertained by this, you guys got to let us know what we could do to be more entertaining. Cause this guy is next level. Christian. Yeah, this, uh, I didn't know much about the person we're interviewing. And then I saw him in the news, some interviews, really fascinating guy. And, um, look kind of like what george was saying the movie scene in las vegas it's not just the like major people it's not just like oh here's amc and cinemark and all that stuff there's something interesting going on and we're gonna have that explained later well everybody uh as of right now this is uh us before the interview we're gonna head on over there here in a few minutes but but we'll see you guys in a couple minutes Welcome back, everybody. We're here with John. John, if you could please go ahead and introduce yourself in Burger 51 for us. Sure. I am a Supreme Commander John of the Burger 51 Army. We are a uh, drive-in movie theater right here on Decatur Boulevard in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we're doing things a little bit differently. And I think that you are probably able to see that now that you're here. Not Definitely not your regular type of theater. Uh, we're very, very focused on something that is probably the most important aspect of film that is seems to be the least appreciated. And by that, I'm referring to short film. Um, you know, Burger 51 Drive-In Theater is totally dedicated to being the, what I believe is the only short venue uh, in America. I don't know of any other theaters where you go and specifically watch short films 365 days a year. That's uh, our forte, and that's what we're really focused on uh, trying to do. Because there are so many short artists out there who, I'm not saying they're underappreciated, but they're certainly underviewed. It's a very strange world where we have an Academy Award for Best Short Film, Yet you can't really see those short films anywhere. Sure, you could look them up on the internet, but that takes away the magic of film when you're watching it on your mobile device. You know, where when you're not in a designated uh, theater, a viewing venue, where whether it's a walk-in or a drive-in, and um, you know, that's pretty much what we're the the main focus is is how to best promote those artists. And, you know, we, everybody likes to think of themselves as a storyteller, or a filmmaker. I personally became fascinated with it as a result of a restaurant that I own on Fremont Street, where we do 
all of our own little skits and rock videos and it's as primitive as shooting with an iPhone, but then you start seeing some good, you know, product and you think, wow, I, I could do it just like the big guys can. And so you become more and more fascinated with those who actually do spend the time and the money and just throw so much of themselves into making a short film because it's just such a thankless thing. You, you know, you drop $10,000 on it, you drop six months of your time and years of planning. And then at the end, you have nothing to show for it, but pride. And, um, when that person, that, that sense of accomplishment, it's neat, but you want to share it with other people. And so my hope is that we can get enough short artists. So far, we've gotten quite a few very good ones, but I really do want to network with other short artists and let them know that there is a, um, another way to go out there. You don't have to labor in obscurity. What you could actually do is, um, submit, not just to film festivals, but to, you know, the Burger 51 theater and hopefully other theaters that'll come into existence. Um, I'm hoping that we'll set the example um, because, you know, all theaters are ultimately a commercial enterprise and theaters aren't going to exist unless other entrepreneurs view them as profitable. And, you know, right now we're a brand new company. We're 25 days old, but we're profitable. We get enough people in to where others will say, wow, so there is a market for short film. and. I hope there'll be uh, uh, walk-ins as well as drive-ins where short artists could have an opportunity to just share what is in their head and their heart. Because when you're in there and you're, you're, you're spending so much money and so much time and the hopes and dreams of yourself and all of your friends and colleagues who've helped you out in this, and then you go, wow, it's a wrap, it's done. And then you and the people who made it watched it and you're proud about some aspects of it. You feel you could have done a little better in some other aspects. No one ever achieves perfection. We chase perfection, but you don't achieve it. And it's, it's very interesting, though, to think that these people have nowhere to share this at all. I mean, you throw it on the internet, it just gets lost in the noise. And when people do see it, they're not in the proper frame of mind. And, you know, we're very retro place here at Burger 51. And so to me, the proper frame of mind is you have to have some popcorn in your hand and a box of milk duds sitting there. And you have to be with somebody that's a friend of yours, somebody you care about. Because, you know, no one wants to experience that movie by themselves. You know, it's uh, uh, to experience a movie, it's, it's really a communal thing. You can't lock a person in a box and have them watch a movie and expect to get the same experience. Movies are designed to be social, to, to have to, you know, elbow wrestle with the person sitting next to you in the theater over who gets the arm wrestle or, or the armrest. And, that's part of the movie experience because when something funny happens or something scary happens or something sad happens, it's that human connection between you and the other viewers. And so I just, I feel that short film 
artists are cheated because they only have the internet to throw their stuff out to and there's no social connection. Now, granted in this weird age of uh, COVID virus where everybody's social distancing, you know, I've got all my, um, my viewers in cars and it's, so it's not that large of a group, but at least you're with your primary tribe, you know, the two or three people in the car with you. Um, but you can look out the window and look at the other people in the car next to you laughing or, or being frightened. And there still is that sense of community at a drive-in, um, that I think does satisfy what it is every short artist is searching for and that's just to to connect to do something with that's just everybody has a dream and and for those who are brave enough and talented enough to get that dream out on celluloid um it's just so sad when you don't share that dream with other people you know but hey i don't want to hog your mic i could literally go on forever and ever about the injustice um, of the short artist is, you know, every great Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, every, every great started out making shorts, you know, just when they were a kid with a super eight millimeter in their backyard, um, they did. And that's how they got great. That's how they got their practice is through shorts. Um, but shorts really aren't a remedial uh, venue. I mean, they're, we we play some very very sophisticated films here. Um, I actually we've been blessed because we get a lot of uh, good five star reviews, you know, on, online and and a lot of it's for the hamburgers. And I was laughing about one review. We got a a one star, and and from this person who totally didn't get it. They thought oh, the food was great. The people are really nice, and the place looked cool. But I hated the movies, <laughs> and <laughs> and. You know, like, well, that's good. That's that's their opinion. Um, but obviously, they weren't expecting indie film, you know. And that's all we do, and that's probably all we'll ever do. But uh, there's a big enough audience out there for people who like indie film. Now, granted, we have sort of confined ourselves to either the horror genre or the sci-fi genre because of the fact that, you know, it's it's easier to develop a story it's very challenging to develop a, a complex love story in five, six minutes, you know? Yes. But, but horror sci-fi is, is a, is a very communicable thing where we can pass the, these thoughts on the storyline on to somebody. But, but again, um, please ask any questions. I, I'm, I'm dying to hear, um, how the rest of the world perceives burger 51, because I'm not, we're so new. It's just kind of in our own heads right now. We're not actually um, able to, to view ourselves as others view us yet. I definitely like to comment on um, the fact that you chose um, independent films. A big critique of movie theaters and like the movie industry is that there's, you know, the set AAA films. Those are shown in, in you know, regular theaters, Cinemark, AMC, all that. And people, people who enjoy a lot of film realize, hey, there's all these good independent works that they just don't get seen. You know, it's just it's a loop. Oh, here's the next Marvel movie. Here's the next Fast and Furious X, Y, Z. And, you know, 
I know somebody who's made an independent film and they put a lot of work into those. So I, I think from that perspective, people th- would think it's really cool that this is happening, what you're doing here. Oh, I can definitely see like you taking this and a kid coming in who's like 12, 13 years old and is like, I would love to make my own short film that will be played at this drive-in one day. I think like you, you're driving the community of Las Vegas to understand that although the work may seem simple in your head, it actually has a lot bigger of an impact. So you kind of touched on it earlier, uh, but what made you decide sci-fi movies specifically for Burger 51? Because the theming, you know, all around, it, it's, it feels like you're taking it straight out of the 50s. Um, well, I, I saw this piece of land here, and I thought it was a good price because... It's in an area that I really like here. I like the general neighborhood and the traffic count. So I thought, okay, I should do something with this. And um, I thought to myself, maybe I'll, uh, I, I have a sit-down restaurant on Fremont Street. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll actually make a drive-through version of that sit-down restaurant. And, and then I realized part of the magic of that restaurant was that we play our own rock videos that we film ourselves and star in ourselves and i thought okay i'll erect a big screen and in the drive-through where they could really have watch the same videos that they did at the restaurant and i kind of had my artist friend doodle it all together and i looked at it and my best friends were staring at it and i said this this just doesn't feel like your restaurant and and one of them said it you know it should it it should be called sci-fi burger and you should play sci-fi films, like a drive-in movie theater. And I said, you know, you're entirely right. So then I, I, I moved forward with that concept until my attorney told me that, uh, sadly, Disney has a uh, sci-fi drive-in theater. And um, Disney happens to be the most sue-happy company on Earth. Corporate overlords. <laughs> well, they 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 have this really this image of that they're the good guy, which may or may not be the case, but um, you just certainly don't want to mess with a mouse. And my attorney who had helped me for decades, um, I've always been involved in a lot of intellectual property battles from when I was in the fitness industry as well as uh, being in the burger industry. And he just said, if you even try this, I'm just going to drop you as a client. And so I kind of got the picture that sci-fi burger probably wasn't a good name and but it got me thinking about science fiction in general and you know the number of people out there the devotees uh, to that genre there's you know a whole lot of trekkies a whole lot of star wars fans a whole lot of people in that genre but as this evolved it got less about science fiction more about just wow there is an amazing untapped um treasure trove of of short film out there that's good i mean you know something that people should get out and see but to answer your question why sci-fi that was that was it originally and uh, it just so happens that there are a lot of shorts in the sci-fi genre so uh just so people know 
what is the full experience like here at Sci-Fi Bird? Can you walk us through driving in and what they're going to experience from that point on? Sure. Um, you enter, uh, and the lanes kind of force you to the right and takes you through um, what will be the single most... It, well, I believe that we're already the world's first experiential fast food. There is no experience per se at Burger King or McDonald's or what other drive-throughs, um, but the objective here is we're building this slowly, so we build it right. Well, so we're only 25 days old, so it's not really that slow. But um, the entire drive-through will be built with some sense of animatronics, where things move as your car progresses through the um, the line. And that way, even if you've decided not to stay for the film, um, you'll still have a, an experience. But, you know, that's the, the sort of the business model of the mission is to be the world's first experiential fast food, to give people something, some wow factor above and beyond the, you know, the cost of the burger. Our, our food is cheaper than the neighboring jack-in-the-box here, so we, uh, we certainly don't gouge. We just want people to have such a unique time that they'll, you know, hopefully come back. But the ultimate goal is that they'll hopefully become a part of the short film viewing audience out there, you know, and just appreciate something beyond the the huge Hollywood blockbuster that takes $200 million to film or something ridiculous, you know. Just know that people can actually get out there and film something that's very entertaining and very thought-provoking, and, and do so for a couple thousand dollars, you know, that the average person can do. Um, I just, I really hope that people out there listening who do have the inner fantasy about being a, uh, uh, to, uh, making their own short films, um, don't chicken out. And But remember, the number one method of chickening out is called procrastination. You just say, wow, I'm going to write that script or I'm going to film this scene. And I believe you, but it doesn't, you know, if it takes you 30 years to do it, your life's over. You know, you have to do it now. Um, it's hard to kick yourself in the butt and, and hurry up and get things done that you know you're supposed to get done. Um, because a filmmaker... That's just a real, real complex individual who's got a lot of unique challenges. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why we really wanted Burger 51 to be a, a, a drive-in movie theater, because when you do, you know, I do glass bottle soda pop, and we do really neat retro candies, um, like you guys are here. But, uh, I'm sitting yeah. right next to a big hunk. I've never seen a big hunk in my life. Yeah, big, hunk, <laughs> big hunk and Abba Zabba and Whoppers. A bit of honey. Oh, yeah, all the old stuff. But we're uh, doing everything possible to stay as retro as possible. Um, and I think people appreciate it. But really and truly, uh, it's we're here for the film. And we just want to uh, tap into that community out there that appreciate short film. And so far we have, you know, I mean, um, our, uh, it's been so hot the past 25 days that, um, 
our day crowd is is minimal because it's kind of brutal to sit in your car in the middle of the day even though and most people don't tend to believe how good our audio and video is it's the very, video was outstanding we when we were driving up we mentioned like wow it's the daytime and we can yeah. see the screen clearly yeah, it, was, it was very clear in the sunlight it, it's it's good and the, and the sound our, our antenna is just booming um it's it's we we could get in big trouble if we turn tune that uh, turn it up even higher uh, it's got about a 10 mile radius but we keep it to its minimal possible setting, which just really gives us a good sound here on the lot and bleeds over just a little bit. To the Scrambled neighbors. comms coming out of Burger 51. Yeah. I could I could probably just tune it in at my house and be like, oh, they're watching that movie today. <laughs> That's what this area of Vegas needed, though. I mean, I've, dri- I've driven past. It, we're, we're located right across from Western High School. My dad was a football coach at Western High School in like 2012. So I, I, I'm familiar with that area from that point in time. And there's been nothing lively about this area other than Meadows Mall. And even still, and that's kind of... Well, I remember this specifically was like a Dairy Queen when yes. I was growing up. And then it was like a, a wing place. And then I saw this place being built. And I was like, oh, that seems interesting. No, <laughs> like, a lot more interesting cool. than anything else that we had uh, seen in the past. Like what... what I, You said like the traffic. But I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of places here in Las Vegas to build this. Like why this specific location? Um. Well, I live nearby, um, and my other job is also nearby, and so it just sort of made sense. Um, but it, basically, this is a, a very middle-class area. It's not rich. It's not poor. It's just regular people. And I kind of wanted to test the concept out on regular people. You know, I mean, too many people think of short film or indie film as being the uh, appreciated only by the affluent, you know, and and I don't buy into that at all. I, I don't. I'm trying to demonstrate that the the regular person, you know, like like I said, I did have one critique, which kind of you're always going to have that, yeah, though. <laughs> but kind of displayed the person's IQ and interest levels. But um, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. But the you know, I just think that. All socioeconomic classes can appreciate short film, and so I just wanted to do this in what I would consider to be as absolutely regular of a neighborhood as you could find in Las Vegas. You know, uh, the thoroughfare uh, on Decatur here. There's a tremendous amount of people using this street going all the way up north, and I'm I'm just such a believer that once people stop and give short film a try, they'll say, "Wow." It was pleasurable. You know, it didn't change my life, but I felt a little bit more satisfied than I do when I go into a normal theater and watch a $200 million film because you can kind of say that, okay, I see how he kept this low budget, but it was clever how he or she did keep it low budget. And that's what's so darn important is um, I just want to develop the dream I would like to think that in some small way I contributed to some future um, Steven Spielberg who's maybe 12, 13 years old right now and he comes in, you know, for a, a shaved ice and a popcorn and a burger uh, because his parents drug him here and then, and it fascinated him and he thought, wow, you mean 
regular people like me with who's just holding an iPhone, we can make movies too. And, you know, that's not self-evident. You're not really born with that knowledge because when you go to theaters and see major corporate film all the time, you realize, that, oh, wow, you know, that's a $200 million budget. And when you see, when we expose a child to a, a, a an indie film, that even a child could say, okay, yeah, they kind of did that with a handheld and, you know, had a bunch of his buddies. And it gets them to fantasizing about how they can do it. And that's the first step toward getting it done, toward achievement. And I don't know, maybe, you know, if you think about it, that you could change that child's life. And because of the nature of film, that child could in turn change the lives of, of 100 million people. You know, they could make the next Casablanca, you know, um, you never know. So, so I've, I've been to your website. That's how I was able to get in touch with you. So what is the submission process like for somebody with a short film or independent film they wish to have here? Real simple. Just submit a link, um, to where we could watch it and download it. And, um, if we like it, then we'll email you back and say, Hey, that's neat. Do you mind if we fit it in the rotation? And, you know, we always want to let people know well in advance when we'll show it. That way they can drag their friends over because that's the fun thing. I mean, going to a drive-in um, and watching your own stuff, that, that's, that's cool. I mean, I, uh, my dream is like I'm, a, I'm like every other closet filmmaker. Um, as soon as I actually get this, give me a year to where I've got this place working right. Um, and then, then we'll change our focus and, and put it on trying to make some of our own in-house films, because that's going to be the make or break difference with me and my staff on whether or not we go insane. Because if you work in an assembly line, even though your assembly line is making the best darn burger you can and the best darn glass bottle soda or shaved ice, even though you think you're doing a real good job you know life can get boring you need some fantasy and so i want myself and the workers here to have that fantasy of hmm what are we going to shoot next week you know and every having the 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 camaraderie and the community that develops when people um you know as you're flipping burgers go hey well what about this monster and he what if he you know attacks this city and blah 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 and you know Dreaming things up like that, uh, and then watching that dream come to fruition uh, with a team, I think it'll be a real satisfying way to keep people together. You know, at my other restaurant, we have um, uh, our average person employee average is six and a half years, and that's only because we moved here nine years ago from a different city where we picked up and. Actually, we picked up and relocated several families. Um, um, you know, I, I've always been a belief that, you know, if you could hit somebody's economic number where they're able to, you know, support themselves, it's so tragic to see churn and burn in the workplace, to see people shift jobs all the time because, you know, we're all born with a family, but your secondary family are really your coworkers, you know. And it's neat to keep people together like that. And um, I hope to achieve the same record at Burger 51 that I did in, you know, in a, in a very tough industry where the average 
is three to four months, you know, where I'm at, you know, quite a few years. But I think in, in Burger 51, when you look at a fast food drive through place, I would imagine there's a, a, tends to be a huge disconnect with employees. Um, and I, I hope to create that. It's like, I was always marveling over what Starbucks achieved. It, 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 I thought it was the most brilliant thing because for years, if, if you, some, some kid worked at Burger King and you say, hey, what do you do? They go, I work at Burger King. You know? <laughs> and they're, they're, they're ashamed of the fact. And then the same, same city, same neighborhood, uh, another food service worker who makes the exact same, because I work at Starbucks, and <laughs> they're excited about the fact. Stoke. So Starbucks apparently created some employee culture that made everybody think, wow, it's cool to be a food service worker. So it always intrigued me, and I, I think that I could do that same thing to make people really feel connected here, and there's there's just no better way to feel connected than to get all the employees in making a small indie film, you know, so we could all, you know, have that dream of, of greatness. But remember the dream of greatness isn't whether or not your film is celebrated and wins an Academy Award and makes money and acts as a springboard for bigger and better things in your life. I mean, the, the real mark of, a film is did you do your best you know did, did, did you you know you had the idea for the story you executed and you did the best you can do and that's the important thing and you connected with a lot of friends I find in these indie films there's a huge um, uh, at the end the credits it's amazing how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that they give credit to um, the same as what you'd see in a full-length movie. And I realize that it, it's all part of the culture that they're bringing together talented friends of theirs who do a little of this and a little of that. And these talented friends are able to um, make the film happen. And so they certainly do deserve the credit. But, oh, oh, go ahead. I... Yeah. Oh, um, I, that's, I think that's really cool. Um, and something that like the way I look at the format and how you're creating an experience is I think when we look back nostalgically at how the fifties looked and older times, it was always about how we had to meet in a place to do a thing. Mm. We meet at the malt shop, meet at the arcade, meet at the theater. And it wasn't just doing the thing. It was experiencing that thing together. So if, if I read you right, I think, that's kind of what you're trying to recreate in this driving is bringing that back. Yeah, I mean, um, for the employees, absolutely. Um, for the neighborhood, you know, for people who come here often, we already have people who come here twice a day. You know, they they seem to like the burgers, and so um, it's good that uh, it, it when you have repeat customers to the level that we do. It becomes a real challenge. Um, it's like that Queen song. It's a challenge before the whole human race, and I'd never lose. Um, there's a, it's a challenge, this uphill battle of how do I keep delivering content? Because if this guy's going to come here twice a day, every day, shit, 
I need to keep giving him new film, you know? Yep. And um, I just hope that, I don't think it's possible to exhaust the talent base uh, on the planet Earth. I mean, unfortunately, I'm limited to film that's uh, of a major language, uh, even though there's some really great short films out there that would be in Polish or Lithuanian. Um, it's just, we're pretty much doing films in English and Spanish because that's, you know, the 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 neighborhood here. And... Um, it's just a little too exotic for most people to, to appreciate short film and Korean. Um, but we have some, so, but still within the, the realm of English and Spanish language films, there's a tremendous number out there. I mean, I'm just dying to tell everybody who is listening, if you've got a short film, just, just submit it. And, and even if we don't play it, it doesn't mean that your film isn't great. It just means that it didn't fit into, you know, what we're trying to do because we have to limit our films to eight minutes. Um, we like to keep it about a 20-minute roll. The reason why, it's real simple. It's, it's real primitive mathematics. Um, we have 20 parking spots. Um, you know, we can't possibly service a customer faster than one every minute. So, you know, 20 spots is really all we need. I mean, this is a boutique drive-in movie theater. So we give people a 20-minute roll, and that way they're able to go. They show up at any time they want to. And and if it, that 20-minute roll is basically two eight-minute films and, and several little tiny one-minute shorts, and it doesn't matter when you show up. You know, when people submit films that are really good, but... The film itself is 25 minutes. I just can't show that because then we'd have to have start times and stop times. Whereas now you just show up anytime you want to. You might catch the last several minutes of something that already started, but if you just hang in there for 20 minutes, you'll be able to see it again. So, so uh, when going back to the way you treat your employees and that employee timeline, because I myself worked in fast food and I understand the revolving door that is fast food. Did you learn that aspect of treating your employees as a family and getting them involved through trial and error? Or was this something taught to you at a young age? Um, well, my upbringing was a little bit different, but um, I'm from a small family business. And uh, same thing, you know, my dad used to boast about how long his average employee count was. Um, I'd like to think that I beat him because he was <laughs> in a, yeah. well, he was in a much more stable industry. Whereas I'm in, my God, I'm in the, You're in new waters. Yeah. I'm in the tourist sector in Fremont street. Yes. And, and now fast food, it's even bigger churnover. So, um, no, I want to see if people can stick around because I, I seldomly see people change industries. You know, it's sad to see if you're, if you're a cook and you jump from restaurant to restaurant, whether it's sit down, dining or fast food, um, it's just sad to see them keep changing jobs because they're just changing for a, a like job. Why not just stick and, and develop with one company and make it more meaningful? Uh, and just part of the meaning is I want to give everybody the opportunity to, to do for that kid, that 13 year old kid that we don't know who that person is 
just everybody who's here, whether you're flipping the burger or making the popcorn or uncapping the soda pop bottle, you're still putting that spark of magic into the kid who is sitting in one of those cars and, and decides at that point, wow, I want to be a filmmaker, you know, because I never thought they could. You know, especially, it's like when you see kids from an um, uh, economically deprived background or uh, traditionally, if there were no role models of their race or religion, um, and suddenly they see a role model. Wow, you mean a kid who looks like me and is from my neighborhood could actually do something like this? That's, that's a neat thing, and to put that magic into their heads. And I don't know, I, I just, uh, my friends joke a lot. They say, now what you're really doing for the kids is you're giving them a place to come make out at. And um, that is a very too. valid it, it, question. No, and, and it really is because, you know, I'm 55. And so when I was in my teen years, half of my films were taken in a walk-in and half of my films were taken in a drive-in setting. And, uh, yeah, drive-ins are where I used to go with my dates, and, and those are some great memories. And it's just really sad that kids nowadays don't have that opportunity. Um, I, I believe with you we have two drive-ins now. One of them shows, you know, the multi-blockbuster films, and then this one is the, one, the only one with independence, it seems. Right. Um, there, yeah, there still is one struggling drive-in, and hopefully it's going to make a comeback. I just think that the older business model of the drive-in has its inherent flaws because it takes too darn much acreage and with projection technology it limits them to just complete darkness before so if you only get two shows a night I mean was we could do shows 24 hours a day I mean and that's and we can because we're focused on shorts we don't need that much acreage so it just makes more sense all the way around. And the other thing, too, is not everybody... When's the last time you guys really said that you're ready to commit to a three-hour experience? Like, you know, I took my wife to go see um, um, uh, Tarantino's recent, um, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, and it was a long film. I really appreciate it because it, it was reminiscent of when I grew up, and so there was a lot of neat imagery for me, but most people aren't ready for a three-hour commitment, but I find that everybody's ready for a 20-minute commitment, everybody. And that's the neat thing about Burger 51. You don't have to, it doesn't matter the time. Now, we, we do divide it uh, daytime, verse uh after nine o'clock um we do the you know hardcore films after nine o'clock um stuff that kids shouldn't be seeing oh uh, right right and, and it's, it's publicly viewed you could just drive by it and see it that's great too <laughs> right well people laugh because the way we worded it on the sign said adults only after 9 p.m and people that wow you Playing porno on a public street. Just some softcore. Uh, Just some softcore. Nothing major. <laughs> and it's funny that that's where their minds went. You know, um, it, you know how we demonize a beautiful sex act. It's not um, that. It's that I don't want kids seeing chainsaw decapitations. You know, and that's it's what the good stuff. <laughs> that's what we mean. So, 
you know, if you really want to see some wild, gory, old-fashioned, all-American slasher violence, um, yeah, come to Burger 51 late night, and that's when we do that stuff, because, you know, the kids hopefully won't be up at that hour. But everything is real family-friendly and PG um, until 9 o'clock. So. I think that... Um, I think about how, like, people... Like in the modern age, because we have the internet and we have access to all this content all the time, we consume content like spontaneously. So the fact that you could do something like, like I think about when I eat, I'll get some food and go in my room and say, oh, let's find a video that's 10 or 15 minutes long. Right. And I'll sit there and I'll eat and I'll watch it. I think, you know, if you apply that to the movie industry, it's like going to drive in. And then watching a movie for maybe, you know, 10 minutes, eight minutes. So I think like people think it's really foreign of an idea, but I think if people gave it a chance, they think it's really cool that you that we have this format here. Do you, uh, do you see this expanding at all? Like if, if say this really hits big, would you want a location with maybe two screens or like that had never occurred to me. Um, the two screens, very interesting. I um sure everybody fantasizes about their business being successful enough to actually replicate itself, and um, I think this is fairly replicable. Um, but two screens, that's that's interesting. You know, the old Dairy Queen next to me seems to have finally closed down forever, and that little uh, Cuban place is definitely closed. Yeah, that place was unsanitary. I don't know if you ever went in there, John. You like oh, Cuban no, food? No, I actually, no, I loved it. I, I was very sad. It's authentic. You no, know, I that's yeah. that's the thing. Like all Cuban food places oh, are very unsanitary, yeah. and that's what makes them delicious. <laughs> you, you get the guy with the hairy yeah, I, arms. I literally saw a guy eat uh, beans with a with a spoon, and then he used that same spoon to serve somebody. I was like, that's you this gotta is, risk a C rating good for places. some food, George. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the uh, I wish they'd come back. I don't know what's going to happen with that land, but yeah, maybe you put a a second screen there that faces the opposite way. And but boy, that would be that'd be really hard logistically to do that. Um, I don't think that Burger Fifty One necessarily needs to be a bigger operation here in this location. I'd rather put it down in Henderson or over on the east side or the north side or something, just so that more kids could get a chance to become enchanted with film. Um, you know, um, I know I'd love to do that. And, and again, it's just up to whether or not I can continue to get um, short artists um, who are willing to get, to get out of their comfort zone. Because a lot of people are afraid of rejection, and and I think you'd be surprised as to, like some of our most popular films were just really done on a micro budget, and you could tell, but that's okay, you know. And so I'm just encouraging everybody to go to Burger51.com and submit some some films, and uh, you know, odds are uh, we'll find some slot to play you in somewhere, you know. 
Oh. So, <laughs> uh, from reading your advertisements, it, you know, you guys say that tinfoil hats are, are welcomed here. Uh, so, we're a very laid back podcast. We like to ask weird questions. Uh, so, for you personally, do you think the moon landing was faked? Because I know that's a big one that everyone's like, oh, the moon landing was faked. You can tell from this footage. I was devastated yesterday um, because they there was some news about they actually were able to hit, to shoot a laser beam from Earth at the moon, and they were actually, I don't know if you read this, able to hit something that they had left on the moon and made it bounce back, um, which just crushes me because it's evidence that we were there. Um, but then again, I, you know, being the skeptic I am, I'd like to see, I'd like to read the article more in depth. Um, I've never, even as a small child, felt that we, you know, pierced the Van Allen belt and made it to the moon. I don't think it's biologically possible, um, you know, because you hear astronauts right now and talk to them about this, and they're just so stoked because they say, you know, our our materials are getting better and better, and someday we're going to be able to go through the Van Allen belt. <laughs> and, and these are astronauts now, and... You know, the, everybody wants to conveniently forget the folly of um, uh, 1969. Um, just desperate times call for desperate measures. And while we might point the finger at our forefathers and say that they were hucksters, you don't understand the pressure that they were under in the Cold War because we had to prove that we were better. And even if we weren't necessarily better in space exploration, there was one thing that we were vastly better than the Russians at, and that's filmmaking. And, uh, you know, whether or not it was Stanley Kubrick that did it or whether it was uh, any other um, artist that created that illusion, um, it was a pretty impressive illusion. Uh, no, I mean, I still don't believe that humans... And here's the most interesting thing. Have you ever seen the Chinese rover that touched down a few years back and sent back the, the images. Fascinating because the moon isn't powdery white like we've been led to believe. The Chinese rover is up there and it's brown, dirt. Yeah, It's a, it's a visual illusion when we look through our atmosphere at the moon and it looks powdery white. So Kubrick and the boys said, well, let's make it powdery white. That's what people are expecting to see. But... Um, you know, these are sh films uh, shot in color uh, in 1969 and now, and, and they're shooting it now, and it's brown, and it's powder white when we did it there. So there, it's, there's a lot of hokiness going on. But, but again, these guys had to make it happen. And bringing us to what's going on in the world right now, you know, there's a horrible pandemic, um, and... I don't care what conspiracy theorists are out there. Um, it's it's real. Uh, I, I know people who've been very, very sick, and I'm very concerned for the elderly members of my family and stuff. And what pisses me off is that we spent $9 trillion um, that you know anybody my age or older doesn't have to worry about because we're just passing that debt on to the kids, and they'll have to pay for it someday. And it's sick that we've done that, but we really got nothing for it because we're no closer to a vaccination. Um, 
you know, in World War II, we had to beat the Japanese, had to. And so we took an endless amount of money, and we took the greatest minds, and we took them all out in the desert, called it the Manhattan Project, and said, you guys are not leaving this room until you have developed a bomb to stop the Japanese with. And they did it. They achieved it. It was a culture of achievement. And we just don't have the intellectual or moral fortitude nowadays to do the same thing, just to take our, our best minds lock them in a room and say, you guys are not leaving until we have a vaccination. And we could have easily done that for the $9 trillion that we wasted. And so it's it's sad. But. Almost like the like heroic age of advancement is, is it's been forgotten somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like, they could have had those people, L- like you said, you know, with all the great minds we have, it seems like everybody of saying let's come to a solution is saying it's not my problem figure it out. yeah um <clears throat> sad but um bringing this back to film you do know that um there will be some tremendous movies made on the subject of pandemic oh not, yes <laughs> i mean but not, not just you know silly horror films that a lot of people thought this one was based off of but you know, there'll be some beautiful love stories like the Titanic, you know, about uh, human struggles that occurred during this interesting time in life. You know, when who would have thought a love story would have erupted out of a ship sinking in the North Atlantic, but it turned out to be one of the biggest blockbusters ever. And uh, big blockbusters will come out um, about this period and, and the struggles people have. I've certainly had some struggles because I'm in the... Um, restaurant and tourist industry and and I've been very fortunate for the government assistance that I've received and um, you know I'm just I'm just hoping that you know a, a, a cure comes soon so that people can go back to leading normal lives because they if you think about the kids out there these are your formative years when you should be out there making out with chicks and you know like two or three different chicks at the same party, you know. That's what I'm talking about. I wouldn't have partied with you back then. Well, but that's, you know, that's what a 16, 17-year-old boy should be doing. Uh, It's very normal. And now they, you know, I have kids, and and, um, uh, the parents of these girls, you know, they pretty much want a full blood panel before they'll even let my boy take her out somewhere. You know, it's... (laughs) It's just, it's tragic, and I just want to see the psychological damage that's happening to our culture. You know, as Americans, we stand further apart than Europeans do. It's just part of our frontier machoism. But now, this new culture, you know, six feet apart. Jesus. And that the kids are being trained that this is a normal way to interact. And it's tragic, you know? thought of somebody a child being born during pandemic time and growing up not knowing the world before that i think is a crazy thought because they they are shaping the way that they view the whole world so i could definitely agree with that yeah well there again there will be some very interesting films that come out um isn't it strange that we live in a time where theaters have been shut down 
and now theaters can't even reopen because production houses don't want to let them show the films right now for a variety of reasons because they all have their their formulas, their marketing formulas as to how to release these films. If they that is re- true. It's science, and if they don't release them properly, you can't blame the production company. They've got 200 million wrapped up in something. It has to be a... a Profitable. S- yeah, you can't just quietly release it on some street corner. It'll, it'll fizzle out, you know? And lawsuits are between the theater chains and the movie production houses, and and it's so sad that film is now... I mean, film has always been about profit, but it's just so ugly right now. And But I do understand everybody's point of view. Another reason why just small indie film, it's, you know, it's not for profit. It's it's the difference between watching college football and pro football. I will not watch pro football. I have moral issues with it. For one, it's being played on Sunday, but I can get into that later. But the um, college football to me, you know, that sense of amateur athletics where you root for your university, and, and I think college football is a better show. And this is the same equivalent uh, indie filmmakers. You know, they're not the pros, um, but they do do a darn good uh, film that we should all watch and appreciate, you know? Yeah, it's like the college players are like, they're they're giving it everything because they want the NFL to pick them up. And then indie, you know, indie films are just like, hey, I'm just pouring my passion out into this. You know, I just want people to see it so I can definitely see, like, you get a more authentic, genuine experience out of independent films and say a... There's such a micro percentage of people that will ever get to experience what that kind of money looks and feels like. And it's, it gives a chance for those people to really shine. So my pitch to you here, John, is uh, do you ever plan on doing a film festival? Because there's a lot of like indie film festival type thing. Do you plan on doing any sort of like competition-esque? Right. The... It'd have to happen within the confines of how we normally operate. Run, operate the business here because, you know, people do, they need to be very short films. They do need to um, go through in and, and the same way. Um, it'd be very challenging. It's the old question, who, who has the right to vote? Um, you know, is it this esteemed panel or is it, the viewers, the general public, um, who, you know, how would they cast their votes and how do you keep these votes um, valid, you know? Um, so it would be a, a neat thing and to have uh, a Best Picture um, award, um, but it would have to be, we're showing two PG films a day and two R films each night, so... You know, there's probably 700 films a year being shown here. So how do you get people to vote on which film? Because the same person would have had to have seen enough of these films to have a broad cross-section, you know, point of reference. So I don't know. I would love to do that. I just need money. Yeah, like, a, like a best film of the week type, the little little form they fill out or some little survey. Mm-hmm. Some yeah, obviously you highlighted that yeah you I'm not going to be watching every film, but definitely one that sticks out a little more than than the others. I don't know, something to ponder. Yeah. I know your mind's always want running like to come up with this. 
the heart attack grill like does your mind stop like at all or are you no. thinking about the next move no actually i um i'm just very obsessed with how to make this my big challenge right now is how to communicate to people that the drive-in is for the daytime um right now the nights it's absolutely packed daytime i need to get more people in during the day i think that's a function of it not being so darn hot outside it's supposed to hit 110 today oh First wonderful yeah heat I mean, wave next I mean, week yeah you like you said earlier people being in their cars you're gonna melt out here in the, in the vegas summer but right. shaved ice but that's shaved how you ice, got shaved you ice. ice yeah we do sell an awful lot of shaved ice um, there's no good shaved ice places like I like they're on the outskirts. Bahama Bucks, I think, was one. But mm. to come by, this is this is near me. A little shaved ice hub. I think just getting the word out, you know, only because this you said your food is cheap. It's an experience, and you're seeing a movie or several and, or several. And I think like if my friends knew about this, they'd be like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And now I have to tell them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. For the heart attack grill, how long did it take for that to like really kick into gear for everyone to be like, oh, you got to go to this place? Like, how long is that process mm. usually take in business? It depends a lot on, you know, word of mouth, which nowadays is whether or not you get picked up by the news stations and whether or not your people tend to social media to replicate this and. People tend to replicate things that are visual. It's hard to replicate a feeling on social media, um, but things that are purely visual. It always worked for my other restaurant because we would have such big burgers that they, that picture would tend to go viral. But here it's hard to take a, a lens and photograph this from any one angle and say, here is the Burger 51 experience and that photograph so it's very it's much more challenging for it to go viral um because it is really a complete experience from you know when you drive in and there's a very friendly person talking to you and explaining the process and you could buy dollar comics and old retro candies and you know it's uh, uh the burgers are very old-fashioned you know, uh, the soda pops all glass bottle, and then, you know, the we're decorated with uh, movie posters here, which are classic, classic movie posters that people will just stare at and take photos of. So, um, and it's neat. It's it looks like a skateboard ramp here um, because everything's tilted up, you know, uh, so that people can park properly and see the the film. So. When I look at some of the media, some of the interviews you were doing for Heart Attack Grill on the news, I think some of the controversy definitely stirred up a lot of people looking at Heart Attack Grill. So, I mean, I, I don't know you know, if this is your goal, but if you tried to stir up some sort of controversy, I bet people would be flocking to this place. Oh. True, but... Like, I can tweet, like... I we we <laughs> might may have saw an alien in the back cryogenically frozen. You have right. to go talk to John about that. Right. Um yeah, I not really gimmicks. I'm just trying to, you know, create a 
a much better evening out. Um, because nowadays, I mean, let's say if you're a family of four, it's very expensive. I mean, who has a hundred dollars to go out for a family of four? Whereas here, a family of four, you're looking at $25, you know, and you're getting plenty to eat, plus the movies and everything. So we're trying to keep it cheap. You know, it, it's called, you decided, because obviously you weren't able to do, uh, use the sci-fi name because it's Disney's out there. Lurking, Assholes. Lurking in the shadows. <laughs> but uh, you chose Burger 51. I feel like, you know, there's a very Area 51 theme mm. going on here. What what made you say, what made you choose that? Um, I liked it. Um, I like having the name Burger in the title because it truly lets people know that, oh, they sell some substantive, the world's most ubiquitous sandwich, the burger. Um, and that's a neat thing to communicate to people. Um, the Area 51 thing, um, uh, it's, it's well known. Um, it's, I was hoping to to venture into a lot of the conspiracy theorists short films and that's a genre I really would love to get into and I I hope I get more submissions like that that would be nice um, but Burger 51 is uh, it's a short quick memorable name so yeah, to the point to the point so like this little setup you have right here this is like you are, have you just been spending all your time here at Burger Fifty One, or like how do you divvy up your time between there and Heart Attack? Oh, I'm I'm at, at both. You know, I'll do six hours a day at each. So, um, you know, and and things. The Heart Attack Grill is uh, it's an institution in Las Vegas. It's been here long enough where it tends to be on the bucket list of those who come to town. But, um, you know, that's a, uh, it's part of Uncle Charlie tourism. And by that, I mean to say that when your Uncle Charlie comes to town, you obligated to show him Las Vegas. And so that's where most people take their Uncle Charlie is the heart attack grill because it's so over the top that they feel that that's the only thing they really need to do. And then they could just, uh, push him away for the rest of his vacation, you know? And whereas this is a completely different thing, because this is an ongoing 365-day-a-year neighborhood thing where we're developing a very stable relationship with people who they depend on a good soda, they depend on a good burger, and ultimately they depend on a good film. Um, and so, you know, this business model is predicated on the short filmmaker and I just hope that they can trust me enough to, to show their work in what I would consider to be the right light. I mean, you could show any piece of art, whether it's the Mona Lisa, if you don't mount it properly, it's going to look like hell. Um, you know, um, we are developing, I think, what is the coolest possible venue for a short uh, film to be shown in. Because there's just nothing like latching on to a glass bottle orange crush as you're biting into the burger and you're with somebody you care about and 
you know, the, the video and the audio quality is really good and, and we can get the impression that, you know, that the short filmmaker really wanted to hit. So, um, again, I encourage everybody to submit your films. So going back to the, the, the tinfoil hats, I know at Heart Attack Girl, you guys provide a hospital gown for your customers. Are you guys going to start doing that with tinfoil hats here? Because I know I've asked my little sister about, it's like, you know, tinfoil hats? And she's like, people, what? You, it's for food. And I think the last movie I saw do anything with tinfoil hats was like Signs, which is like yes. almost 20 years ago, if not 20 years ago. Signs? Yeah, the M. Night Shyamalan one with Mel Gibson in it. About aliens, yeah. right? Yep. An alien. Oh. Yeah. It's older. It's, Wait, it's like the little kid who wears the tinfoil hat to protect himself, him right? And, uh, him and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the last time I've seen anything with movies with tinfoil hats recently, but is it something possibly in the future well, we, providing? We it? wrap all the burgers in tinfoil, so. Make your own hats. There you go. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. Well, well, John, we want to thank you very much for, for giving us your time out of your <laughs> very, very busy schedule. Uh, for everybody listening, I, in the show notes, I will have the web address for Burger 51, as well as how to get in touch if you want to submit your own film. Please do. They, they very much want to have that. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. And until next week, we'll see you guys later. Bye.